So today we are talking to one of my good friends um, from when I was at university, a guy called Adam. Now, Adam is currently living in America, he moved out there several years ago, um, but we have kept in touch. And when all this time me and Sam have been talking about belief and doubt and uh, what we think, I've been texting back and forth with Adam quite a lot. And um, we came upon this subject and we started speaking about how this is something that he is also thinking about, um, belief, what he believes, um, where he stands on many things. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to have a chat with Adam about his viewpoint now, uh, his journey, how he became a Christian, his journey into where he's now, which is sort of unsure. I might be speaking out of turn, but he can correct me later. Um, unsure what he believes, why, and um, like the core foundations of, well, his most recent, what, 20 odd years of his life. Um, so anyway, all right, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Well, and a little bit nervous to talk about it because it's not like the easiest subject. But you know, I think it will be. I think it will be fun. And I think it will be helpful for me as well. Brilliant. And uh, obviously, we've got Sam here with us as well. Hello again. How are you doing? Yeah, steady. Um, so. Yeah, this should be quite fun. Um, it's fun having a third voice uh, on this and another opinion. So uh, we're just going to jump straight in, um, as we always do. So, yeah, so Adam, if you want to yeah, give us a bit of background on yeah, where your journey with faith has been. So as far as I remember, anyway, correct me, this would be awful if I'm wrong. Um, you, you became a Christian sort of late teens, was it? And then you're now in what, your 30s, aren't you? Um, yeah. So if you give us a like, journey of you becoming a Christian, your Christian life a bit and where you are now and where you think that's got to. All right, well, I want to put, um, I guess the, the, the main part is becoming a Christian. So that, that'll be my main, like, you know, the start of the story. Um, so I was, you know, I went to church when I was a kid, but and I was always interested, you know, open to it, but just never really, I would never have called myself a Christian. Um, some of the things in the Bible I found a bit of a stretch. Um, and when I was 19 years old, um, a bunch of events happened. I'm going to try and make this as brief as possible. Um, the first thing that happened, which, man, I maybe should have got his permission before I started talking about this. Um, one of my good friends at secondary school was a Christian. He'd always invite me to things, and um, he'd been seeing a girl for, for over a year who wasn't a Christian. Um, she'd often cheat on him. I knew her. We lived in the same place, and... One day I got the call to, you know, go and make sure she got home and and I'd been drinking and before I know it, I'm basically seeing this girl behind my friend's back. And so we start a relationship, um, which I'm not proud of. It's very out of character for me, um, but it's a big component of the journey. Um, that's thread one. Thread two um, I don't have a particularly close relationship with my family. I just never have been that close to them. We don't have a ton in common. But my hero in life was my granddad. Uh, he was the person who um, taught me how to gamble, gave me my first drink. Um, uh, he's a West Ham fan uh, like me. And he was he was basically just my hero. Um, and he got cancer and passed away. Uh, and so I was – so that's, that's thread two. Back to thread one. Uh, my friend finds out once I get to university that I'd been in a relationship with his girlfriend and he was about to go on a mission trip to Uganda. 
So he calls me up and confronts me, and I said, yeah, it happened. Um, I then lied and said it only happened once because he was crying and I, I couldn't live with it. Uh, and I hate lying, but, but I did it anyway. Uh, the next day, he then told me he knew it was more than once. But the key thing is, is that he told me on the phone through his tears, look, I'm about to go to Uganda because um, Jesus died on the cross for me. I want to go and, you know, show God's love to the people there. And the key message of Christianity is forgiveness. And so I forgive you for what you've done. It's hurt me, but I forgive you and our friendship is more important than that. And it had a massively profound effect on me as a person because I didn't deserve it. Uh, and it really mirrors the Christian story. You know, it's about undeserved love, really. Um, and so it had a massive effect on on me. Six months down the line, um, he invites me to Soul Survivor. For people that don't know, it's basically a youth camp, um, Christian camp. Uh, I was 19. I was going to Reading Festival uh, the, the day afterwards. But I had to say yes because I owed the guy. You know, I'd screwed him over and I needed to make it up to him. So I said, all right, I'll go on this Christian camp. And I, in fact, convinced one or two of my other friends to come as well just to get me through it. Um, back to thread two. And this is the last time we jump. So I hope you're still staying with me. Have I, have I been too scatterbrained so far? I'll take your silence. As no, a no, it's, it's, it's good. Um, I, I so far, I particularly like the fact that your grandfather introduces gambling, drinking in West Ham. So basically, um, three yeah. awful things to take with you moving forward. <laughs> I mean, I, lo I never loved anyone more, is the truth. Um, he was a close person to me. So when, when he died of cancer, I remember my, my mum. This is the most, like the clearest moment I've got and a big part of the journey. Um, I'm going to, there's a swear word in this next bit, just FYI. I don't know if you want to bleep it out later, but I'm yeah, going to feel, feel free, mate. So my mum, uh, she said to me, hey, am I still paying for you to go to this Christian camp? Like, do you still want to go? And, you know, I was struggling with grief. And I was like, you know, if there's a God, I blame God for this. And I remember looking her in the eyes and saying, all right, I'm going to go to this camp because I gave my word that I would go. But when I get back, I will never step foot in a fucking church again for the rest of my life. I don't care if it's a wedding or a funeral. I will never go to church again. And so she wrote the check and I went to this Soul Survivor Festival. So now the stories are together. So I show up at this place and my heart is that, you know, I just want to get to Reading Festival after this to get really high, get really drunk and enjoy myself. I just have to survive this next five days. Um, the youth leaders there took a bit of a shine to me. They're really nice people. Um, and I tried to avoid going to any church type things. Uh, there was one day that we we all got dragged in and they're singing these modern worship music, you know. And honestly, I was changing the words and singing my own versions and basically taking the piss out of it. Um, then all of a sudden, they start playing a song that I recognized. And I turned to my friend and I was like, oh, I know this. Uh, and it was How Great Thou Art. And all of a sudden, I just realized the last time I heard this song, my granddad's best mate played it on guitar at his funeral. And so I was just like, I froze and then I got up and then I walked. 
And I don't know where I walked. I just kept walking until I couldn't see another person, until I could find a corner, and then I cried. And in that moment, I just said, all right, if you're up there, you've, you've got my attention. Um, and so it broke through the, you know, the shell that I'd intentionally put up. Um, I spoke to the youth leaders about it. Um, and one of the issues I had fundamentally with Christianity is the whole like predestination and, you know, well, if God hasn't chosen me, what does it matter that I decide to do? Um, and they told me, you know, if you just take that first step, you, you don't have to worry. Like you're not going to be rejected. So I did it. I took that step, gave my life to the Lord then at 19 years old. And my friend who was there at the camp ran up, hugged me. And, you know, that was that was me becoming a Christian. Nice. I didn't ask any questions on that or you want me to go to, to the next step of my life? the next step of your life after this moment uh i'm, I'm good I'm, I'm interested hearing it sam anything you had no i'm really enjoying it mate keep going this is good okay cool so i had just finished my first year of university it was that summer i'd become a christian my next year i was moving into a house full of people who were awesome but took a lot of drugs got into a lot of fights and were a little bit crazy um and my only experience of the Christian Union at that point were a bunch of like a little clique of people, a little clique that were not very accepting. And I didn't want to go to that. Uh, I'd made one or two friends along the way. Uh, one of my friends, Jordan, who crazily enough had prayed for me, um, like for healing one time and the pain literally vanished. That was like another side step. I was like, I couldn't sleep. He prayed for me. The pain went. I then like smashed my shoulder against the wall repeatedly until I could feel some sort of pain because in my mind it wasn't possible, you know, that that couldn't happen. And crazy enough, Jordan has since like, he doesn't believe in Christianity anymore either. Um, so I go to university. I find a church. It's not perfect. Um, but one of the themes that you find throughout is that no church is perfect because um, they're all people and overall probably the greatest problem with christianity next to christians are, are churches but that's probably for later um, and so i went to this vineyard church with dave that's where he eventually went and my first experience i walked out because people were speaking in tongues, people's hands are in the air. And I was like, okay, this is a cult. I, I don't get it at all. I don't want anything to do with this. I tried some other churches and eventually I went back. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of things like putting my hands up in the air when I, when I worship. I'm like, when I go to West Ham, my hands are in the air all the time. I'm like, if I can worship a football team, I can worship a God who made me. Um, and some of the other stuff that happened, I just thought, you know, that's to them, each to their own. You know, I might have some suspicions about how you're acting, but it's not, that's on you, not on me. And I grew as a Christian. Um, I, I prayed. I saw, I saw some amazing things. And in my times of doubt, I go back to, to these little things that, that happened that make me 
think, well, how could it be false? You know, I, I've seen people healed from prayer. I mean, I have as well. You know, I've prophecy. I mean, I've I've been speaking to people and things have come up in my mind that I had no right to know. Um, and there's all of these little signs that make me certain that there's more to life than this. So I go through my life in, in whole. Um, there's not a ton of, of excitement there. Um, and then I moved to America uh, seven years ago. So in my late 20s. And when I got to Minnesota, where I started, I was in the tiniest town, it had a population of like 6,000 people. And that was the biggest town for a good 45 minutes in any direction. So I found a little church. I served a lot. I gave a lot. Um, I even preached at this church uh, and I loved it. You know, their, their heart was for the lost. Um, their heart was for the poor people in the trailer parks. And, you know, my view of Christianity has always been that. Like we are called to, to serve the people in need. And as, just as a human being with morals and ethics, like I just feel that that's the right way to live your life. You know, if I can meet a need, I'm going to try and do it. So then I moved to Texas. And honestly, my thought is that this is the Bible Belt. So my faith walk is going to be a lot easier. The doubts that I've struggled with over the years, the do I believe everything the Bible says it is going to be helpful. And I get to this church and, and I'm still there now. And, and it was great. The pastor is a converted Muslim uh, called Afshin. I've become really good friends with him. He's also a huge Liverpool fan. Uh, and his heart is is in the right place and the church is going you know in the direction of wanting to serve the people but being a christian in texas is absolutely the hardest place that i've ever lived to be a christian because everyone's default here is that they are a christian and most of them are not and i for a while struggled with now, people say about being ashamed of being a Christian. You shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. And I have I battled that a long time because I was ashamed to tell people I was a Christian. But I worked out I wasn't ashamed of Jesus. I'm ashamed of the stereotype of Christianity here because most of these Christians are not living in a way that the Bible tells you to live. Like they don't resemble a Christian. Whether they are or not, I don't know. But there's so many of them that it makes it embarrassing to claim to be a Christian. So for the last few years, um, I've been giving people an, uh, an analogy, which I've shared with, with you guys before. Um, and I've told my pastor, I've told my small group, um, and I feel like my belief and my faith is on a life support machine. And there are some days that I think, do you know what? There's just so many flaws. There's so many like things that are divisive. Maybe I just need to pull the plug on this and go about just trying to live my life as a good person. And then there are other days that I remember the things that that have happened in my life that I attribute to, to Jesus. You know, 
the, the prophecy, the people being healed, the, the being able to help people and also seeing people come to salvation. People who had nothing, people who were so lost in their sin, able to make a decision to be a better person and to follow Christ. Um, and, you know, when I think of those things, I feel that maybe it's time to get off the life support machine. Maybe, maybe I've got this. Uh, but then I'll hear a sermon or read a chapter in my Bible and I'll be like, how can I believe this? So that's like a, a whirlwind of where I'm at. Sorry if I talk too long. Um, but uh, yeah, any questions, kids? <laughs> I wouldn't worry. We did literally ask you to speak. So you speaking for a bit is absolutely fine. No, that's brilliant, Franco. Thanks very much. Um, I have a few questions, obviously. <laughs> um, Sam, do you have a few? Uh, no, none. Should we end it there? Or um, <laughs> no, I've definitely got a few. Do you want to explain? Um, do you want to explain what you're calling Adam Day? Because it just confused the hell out of me for a sec there. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, Adam Frankel. It's your surname, isn't it, Frank Adam? But I, I literally have never called Adam Adam. It's so weird saying Adam because you've always been Frankel to me. It's like, weird hearing it as well from you. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. so I'll, I'm just going to call you Frankel. It's too confusing for me. Like, it's, where, it's like. Fine. I, I, you know some people in your life you don't know their real name until someone you don't know says like I knew a guy at university I always knew him as Baz and it wasn't until I received a letter in a house for Joseph that I realized his name was actually Joseph I'd known him for like three years uh, so <laughs> Adam similar I've always known him as Frank also he's Franklin in my mind um yeah sorry so if you've got anything to ask Sam because I've got a few things I'd love to ask Adam yeah, I mean, I was I was just reflecting on your story, mate. First of all, thank you so much for sharing. I know it, it takes a lot of courage and guts to be really open and honest with where you're at at the moment. And um, as you've mentioned uh, before, I can't remember if it was while we were recording or we weren't recording, but you were kind of saying, you know, it'd be interesting to see where things land. And just to reflect to those listening who, you know, might now be able to find Adam because Dave's saying his surname all the time. Um, you know, this is <laughs> this this is a journey, and this is not where Adam is is locked into. So. Um, just, just reflect on that if people listen in or, or are concerned or anything like, you know, just, just recognise that the things we talk about are part of a journey, they're not part of a destination. Um, so the first thing Adam, I wanted to reflect on um, and just kind of just chat to you about, I guess, is I think the the analogy of a life support machine is really interesting. I don't know if you've noticed before about it, but um, both of the solutions to it that you came out with then is coming off life support. Yeah, exactly. So are you, are you are you saying that in the moment you feel like you're in a place where you need to get that that like uh, resolution to be able to remove yourself from that life support place? Like just just talk to me a little bit about that. That's quite an interesting idea. It's a good question, um, and and one that you know I don't I don't necessarily know the answer. Like I said, because it's a journey. Like I've felt internally in this spot for a while, and like I don't know. I mean, one solution is definitely to renounce Christianity and the Bible. And, you know, that would be one solution to get me out of this journey. The other solution, I don't know how I get there. You know, like I'm very, I've always thought a lot about, and, and there's probably a better way to say this, but brainwashing. You know, what I don't want to feel like I'm doing is brainwashing myself to feel like, something is right and you know when people give me the solution well maybe if you spend more time reading your bible every day and more time praying maybe it'll be better 
and I can't I can't answer whether that is brainwashing myself or whether it's opening up my mind to accept that this really can be truth. Um, but one of the I think one of the difficulties that allow me to to keep going on that path is that there are so many conflicts. You know, there are so many times that I read the Bible and I think, you know what, this doesn't make sense. And I've come to some decisions, uh, one of which is that I do not believe that everything in the Bible, especially the New Testament, sorry, especially the Old Testament, I do not believe everything is literally true. Like, I do not believe that. Um, I think logically it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but at the same time, can I get hope? Can I get things from the Bible that are good and beneficial? Definitely. Um, and so I think the only way off the life support machine is to embrace Christianity and to, and to be that I absolutely have no doubts in my mind and there's no way out, which as a side note, I don't know is possible or to denounce it altogether. But if you've got any other ideas of an option three, I am definitely up to hear them. If I were to ever make the decision that I was going to renounce Christianity, however I'd say it, I don't think I could ever become an atheist because I I fundamentally, deep in my heart, 100% believe that there's more to life than this. I really do believe that the life, everything that we see, everything that we know, it's too intricate to not have a created part of it. Uh, and, I, and as well, like, I think there's just been too many things in my life, um, stories, testimonies, things that make me really believe that there's something more to life than this. And maybe Christianity, maybe the people who wrote these things down, translated, maybe there's some mistakes along the way. But, you know, there's, let me give you a, a good example of something that happened since I lived here. I had um, an, a, someone I was meeting with like to do accountability. So we we're doing life together. Um, and his wife went away on a mission trip and he really struggled with like with pornography. Uh, and so while she was away on a mission trip, he was staying with other friends so that he wouldn't be tempted. You know? So I'm actually packing a case to go back to England for, for a wedding. And as I'm packing, I hear like a voice in my head tell me to go to his apartment. And it is profound. And I've not, this isn't, hasn't happened to me many times. This is maybe two or three times. And I was, I remember threading one of those strings back in your, in my shorts that had come out. It was so frustrating if you have to do that. And I, so I'm, I'm doing it again and, and I hear it again. And, I, and it was like a, a feeling that I have to go. So I, I get in my car. I'm obedient. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. He's not even supposed to be there. But in my heart, I knew what I was going to find. And I get to the apartment. He's there. I speak to him. He ends up cheating on his wife that night, sleeping with somebody else. And I'd spoken to him. He came out. I was like, look, you guys shouldn't be in here alone. We spoke for a long time. I prayed for him. I left. He then went and, you know, cheated, had sex. And for me, that was a massive blow to my faith. That Because, you know, I, I couldn't understand. 
like I was obedient. This is a supernatural, like how on earth does this even happen? Um, and then I was like, well, I failed. Like in my obedience, I went and I failed. Like this still happened. Um, and it took me a long time to get over that. Um, probably over a year for me to realize that actually, had he not have been caught in the act there, he never would have ended up coming clean with his wife because he knew that eventually it would have come out because I'd been there. Um, and so him and his wife, he went to counseling somewhere, him and his wife moved away and I'm not in touch with him anymore, but the last I heard they're together, I think they've had a kid. Um, but it's things like that supernatural things like that that I think well there's got to be more like there's got to be more Uh, and so I just could never see myself saying that that I'm an atheist I just don't think that that would be a possibility I mean did you not have experiences that you can look back on that you struggle to to match up with atheism like because of what you experienced when you're a Christian it's a very good question um, before I answer that, I just want to reflect on the stuff you were saying before. And sure. um, no, no, it's fine, mate. Um, there's a guy called Bertrand Russell who was a philosopher um, many years ago, and he wrote something that I found really interesting, um, which is just basically um, the whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics always so certain themselves, and why is the people so full of doubts? And um, I, I really found that quote to be quite powerful when I was going through the stuff you were talking about before with the doubts and the kind of um, life support machine and, and what do I do is, is that we, we, we seek these, we seek this certainty. And I've talked before about this desire for me to, to find my conservative faith again, uh, because it was certain of what it believed and that that's been lost. And I think it's important to know that having doubts and questions shows that you're wise and open to ideas and suggestions. Um, and setting that aside now, talking about the stuff you were talking about before, I think for me, there is, I, I frame atheism, so I frame myself as an agnostic atheist or a Christian atheist as two different sorts of ideas. So I'll just try and explain this quickly and go into basically an agnostic atheist. So ag- agnosticism is someone who is not sure. So it's something that was, um, it's, a, it's a term that was coined um, within the last kind of 100 or 200 years. Um, it, essentially, it just means to be uncertain. It means to be not sure of the truth. So you're resting in a place where you are not certain. Um, atheist, it depends what you mean. So these days, atheism revolves around this phrase which is um you can say i'm convinced there is no god or you can say i'm not convinced there is a god now i think if you were to turn around and say i'm convinced there is no god then you're fooling yourself because there is no way you can convince yourself like there's there is actually no way you can be 100 percent convinced there is no god um but you can be not convinced there is a god so you can very easily get to a point where you say, I'm not convinced there is a God, but you're open to and looking at the evidences to say, if there is a God, I'm willing to open that door and, and look for it and ask those questions. Um, I've just not found any evidence that yet is to, yet has convinced me that there is a God. Um, so that's kind of what an agnostic atheist is. And then and then a Christian atheist, it, it kind of, as you mentioned before as well, it, it, and I've said on this podcast before, it, it basically highlights this idea that there are undercurrents within our society which are Christian. And if we were to completely, utterly rip apart those undercurrents and go, it is all a load of crap. The overcurrents, the times we currently live in, the idea that people have intrinsic value, that we live in this kind of democratic society where people have, um, you know, rights and freedom of speech and all this sort of stuff. If we were to rip away those undercurrents, which are based upon Christian 
principles due to the Judeo-Christian kind of like heritage we have from you know, Jesus and, and the early Christians to our day now, um, we do ourselves massive damage and massive disservice to the good that Christianity has brought. Now, Christianity has brought bad. And, uh, you know, people like Sam Harris argue why it is actually a really dangerous thing to even have this kind of pleasant stage we're in due to Christianity. But to say you're, you're a Christian atheist is to say that you recognise that Christianity is rooted in who you are. There is literally nothing you can do to get Christianity out of you because it is so embedded in the fabric of the society and the time and place that we've been brought up and raised. Like You just cannot get it out of you. But you're still an atheist in terms of you are not convinced there is a God. Um, so that's what those two terms mean. And then and going back to the supernatural stuff, I think it's it's really important for me to go, there is no proof that, I, I don't want to use your example because it's not easy to refute that. So in terms of it, it isn't easy to, uh, basically it's your subjective opinion of what happens. So I have had many experiences where I believed God was telling me to do something. So um, my grandma died um, quite a few years ago and she left us inheritance money, which was held up in a flat and um, we wanted to buy a house, my wife and me. Um, we had one little boy then, we've got two little boys now. Um, and we wanted to buy a house. And we were really confused of why this flat wasn't selling. Like it fell through like eight times. It was an absolute pain. And um, we'd spend like, you know, six months, it would be selling, selling, selling. Then it fell through so that, you know, all of her grandchildren lost out um, for another nine months where it went back on the market. Like it was years and years of pain. And eventually um, it sold. But just before it sold, I was on a walk and I kind of got this. I don't know, premonition, this thought that um, the spring's about to come, that we've been through this really, really hard season of, of winter where it's been, the ground's been tough and we've been looking for what God's calling us to do. And I've, I knew that God had called me to become a leader in a church here, here where I live in, in the north of England. And um, I, you know, wanted to buy a house and we wanted to move out and we just couldn't, we kept getting knocked back, knocked back, knocked back. And then had this feeling that almost like in, in almost like in Narnia where, you know, um, the witch's power is broken and, spring comes and um i really felt this was happening then within within a few days the flat sold uh, really really quickly and then we got the inheritance money and then we got some more money from someone else which was completely unexpected which we just took as god you know saying you need to move um and we bought a house um here now which i'm, I'm sat in our kitchen now doing this podcast um and you know it was this incredible in, in, incredible thing i was like wow god's god's clearly moved and clearly led us and then I've obviously got to a point now where I don't believe in this God that I believed had moved. Um, and when I reflect on the situations, I can't turn around and say that it is definitely God that did those things. What I can say is that at the time I believed it to be God. Um, but that doesn't mean it was God. It means that there are factors and things that were influencing my decisions. And it, it is all down to the lens that you interpret take the situation that you're in. So if you knew nothing about Jesus, but you believed in, I don't know, um, the, the, the Islamic gods or you were a Buddhist or whatever, you would be interpreting situations that you would experience in life through those lenses. So there are so many people from a Muslim faith or a Hindu faith or even Jews who would say that they have experienced these supernatural events, as you called it, a supernatural event. Um, but there isn't actually any proof that A, it's supernatural, or B, you can attribute it to the God that you claim is the real God. And that's for me is where the big crux comes. Yes, I have no issue saying that there could be a God and you're very right. There could be a God, but there's no proof or way that I can pinpoint it and put it and put it, you know, put an actual pin in the map and go, it is, you know, Yahweh in, in, in the revelation of Jesus dying and raising from the dead for our sins. And that is the reason why I was able to get this house. Um, it could just be a set of circumstances that took place and I attributed to Yahweh 
or it could be that there is another god that had led us to this place for a certain reason i can't ever work out why does that make sense that's how i would um, tackle that yeah i I totally i get what you're saying i think for me like I, i think for me my like fundamental underline is that i believe that there is something else now i don't know what it is i don't know you know i maybe attribute it to to jesus um but no matter what i do think there's something else now I, but yeah what that is i can't i mean i could never turn around and be 100 percent certain because you know otherwise i wouldn't be having this conversation with you you know i'd be on one side of that argument so far that i would be too blind to be able to reason with people listen to people and you know talk about these things um but yeah i i think that i think that sometimes there are so many coincidences that i feel like it can't just be a coincidence you know like as a former math math teacher myself the probability is just i don't know i've got no real like i can't like put my evidence as far as really calculating a probability but in my mind i feel like there's a higher probability of there being something there i mean and another good example before i believed in christianity before i was a christian before any of that i still prayed and the reason i did it was not because i had any idea there was something there but i'm a i'm a gambling man and the way i look at it is this you know what if there's nothing up there and I pray, then there's no harm whatsoever. Nothing. I've I've not done anything. You know, maybe mentally I've calmed myself down by talking to myself. But if there is something up there, someone up there, and they are listening, then something good could come from it. So I'd always weigh those things up as, well, there is zero risk in me praying. And I still believe that. And I tell my friends who, who don't believe, I'm like, look, you have got nothing to lose by praying at all. Um, and I always encourage people to, to do it. Um, I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? He says as he prays to the God of the underworld and all hell gets like this. Don't stop praying to him. I've told you before, damn it. Um, yeah, that one. I'll just say one more thing, Dave, then you can jump with your question. Is that all right? That's fine. Sorry, I just you just can't talk in this podcast. I'm sorry. Um, I think <laughs> I um I think so. Two quick things. One is um we if you look at any of the human history, even the earliest burials we have, um, there are things that represent um, a belief in a supernatural, and I think that humanity has always looked up at the stars and looked around itself and gone. Why are we so different? Why do we have this conscious ability to, and this like language ability to be able to communicate and to live in society and to live in groups of people that can get along and do stuff and build things and can have therefore a purpose that is bigger than itself. And I think we have attributed that to God rightly or wrongly, uh, whatever God you want to talk about. I mean, obviously there are you know hundreds of thousands of different gods that have been believed over time. Um, and I think because of that, and this is another Birch and Russell quote, which I think is really, really helpful. I'm gonna read this and then I'm gonna shut up. Um, if a man is offered a fact which goes against his instincts, he will scrutinize it closely. And unless the evidence is overwhelming, he will refuse to believe it. If, on the other hand, he is offered something which affords a reason for acting in accordance to his instincts, he will accept it even on the slightest evidences. The origin of myths is explained this way. And I think for me, this jumps into this like, 
you wouldn't turn around and say that you're praying to the, I, I assume, I mean, I wouldn't turn around and say that um, the hell of Islam is correct. So I would, I've never feared hell of the Islamic type. I've never once really thought about it. It doesn't keep me up at night. Uh, but leaving Christianity, I have literally been terrified and still am sometimes when it's dark in the morning and I wake up and I'm going for a run or whatever and thinking, if I die tomorrow, am I going to be placed in this pit of eternal fire without my loved ones for eternity? Um, and it, it really grabs me. And it's this idea that it's because it's the thing that I was brought into and raised into. And even the concept of prayer is something that would have been instilled in you through True. The society that you're in, like if you if you would if, if I was to suck you out of this society and place you onto a remote planet, and as as a newborn baby you somehow managed to survive into your teenage years, do you think you would have ever prayed? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think maybe I wouldn't have called it prayer, but I think no matter what the environment. I would feel as though, I mean, even in just that random example, you know, picking me up, put me on another planet, where all of a sudden there's a planet that has somehow been made and the stuff that is there has been put there, is is there somehow. So I think that, like, no matter what, innately, I would believe that there was something higher. Um, but, I mean, there's no way to know that for sure. I just feel like logically there's more chance that there is something kind of higher power than that there isn't but i mean once again like you said you can't you know you're brought up in a certain way and it, it would be practically impossible to separate yourself from your upbringing um and so things that are in you innately as beliefs and, and thoughts it's really really difficult to question those and to find out whether they're right you know and there are great examples of things that are definitely not right when you see like racism and you know you you see homophobia and you just see people against women these there are certain areas once again they're brought up in a way that this is their normal we would look at it and be like that isn't normal and it isn't right um so, so you know i don't know i think it's a very good point though Hi everyone, this is Future Dave, just interrupting this recording. The reason I'm interrupting is because following our original interview with Adam, Adam was, well he'll tell the story, but Adam was playing tennis and his heart stopped. So Adam was rushed to hospital, he was dead for a certain amount of minutes, and fortunately he'll tell the story as well that he is now alive and well, but we wanted to get Adam in because this is a great opportunity to see if his perspective and view has changed since this event in his life. Has a brush with death changed his view on religion, on faith, on Jesus, on God? And how will this change his life moving forwards? So we're interrupting now to shoot forward about a month and a half, two months to now. Um, we did this interview a few days ago and to speak to Adam. So let's go to the future. So Adam, how are we doing? 
Well, not too bad at all. Um, where do we start? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, I've literally just told the listeners how after we, we chatted to you before, since then you've had uh, quite a uh, circumstance in your life, a big change. Um, and so, yeah, we want to just chat about that, uh, see how that's um, potentially changed what you think or the experience of that and go from there. So do you want to just tell us what happened? And, uh, we'll yeah. Go from there. Before I do, like, I want to highlight the, I don't know if it's irony or I don't know if it's, I really don't know if it's really the Lord just working through it. But one thing you might remember I said quite clear when we recorded the first time is that I felt like my life, like my faith was on a life support machine. Yep. And I used that analogy. Um, and now here we are, fast forward into the future, having come off of a life support machine in real life. So it's just a weird, crazy thing. So um, I was playing tennis with a friend and I just felt my chest just felt a little bit tight. I was a little out of breath. So I just sat down with my friend on a bench and I was like, I just need a minute to get my breath back and then we'll keep playing. Um, and then I collapse. Uh, I don't remember collapsing. But my friend tells me that my eyes roll back and I hit the deck. Um, and then loads of things come into play. So he slaps me, first of all, because he thinks I'm messing around, which is the sort of thing I'd do. Uh, then he starts CPR. And thankfully, one we, we play tennis probably we've been playing two or three times a week. And this is only the second time there have been other people on the courts with us. And so he shouted the other guys over. And there are a bunch of like local Muslim guys. And they all took it in turns to do CPR while they call 911, obviously, because they're in America, um, and then the police and the ambulance. So then the police come, they take over CPR, and they said that I was dead for about eight and a half minutes until the ambulance got there. And then it took them two shocks on their little, what are those things called? Those like clear defibrillators. That's it. I should know that because I now have one inside of me. Um, so, yeah, it took me took two blasts on a defibrillator to get my heart beating. They rushed me into hospital, into the ER. And the craziest part is that they really don't know what's happened. You know, they they just know that I dropped down dead. Um, and so then the carnage ensues with my friend. Um, first of all, trying to work out because of this pandemic only one person is allowed to be with me and then that person um if they want to change have to wait 24 hours before it's someone else so a decision had to be made there and then who was going to be my person clearly i don't have any family here because they're all in england and because of the pandemic it isn't even possible for them to come to america so they're then trying to work out what's happened um and to cut it shorter I spent three days in the ICU. Um, on the third day, um, a bunch of my friends um, and former community group people decided that they, you know, one of them just felt really cool that they should come to the hospital and pray outside my my hospital room, um, which just so happened to face outside. So they all show up and there's about 40 people that show up. Um, at this point, I'm in a coma um, and frozen to preserve my organs, and I'm due to wake up late that night or the following day. Um, and so they meet around lunchtime um, to pray. Now, I don't know I keep like going off because 
really the way that I have to say the way that God has worked through this is just incredible. A week before this happened, one of my friends who I've been meeting who's been having a rocky spell in their marriage, um, she started to really think about faith. She was an atheist. Um, and I challenged her. I gave her a Bible and I said, what I'd like you to try and do this week at some point is just pray. So she shows up as well to, to pray outside. There's a whole bunch of them. I'm told it was quite emotional because at this point they don't know if I'm going to wake up. And if I am going to wake up, there's a high chance that I'm not still going to be me. You know, they reckon that people that drop down dead like that in general, I was, I saw there was a 17% chance of survival. Now being dead for eight and a half minutes means that the chance of me having damage to my brain is also fairly high. Um, so they're all praying outside there while they're gathered there. I wake up way earlier than I'm supposed to wake up. And my friend inside comes running out to tell them all he's woken up. Um, he then tells me that I proceed to like wake up and then fall asleep and wake up and fall asleep. And he keeps telling me what's happened until he realizes that I'm not retaining any of it. So then he starts making things up like he drop kicked me to the back of the head. Um, like he said that there was something about unicorns and he wishes he could have recorded that. But, you know, thought wasn't really thinking. Um, I also he said the thing that encouraged him the most is one of the times I woke up, looked around and was like, oh, have I got coronavirus? Um, which for him was like okay, yeah I, and, but for him as well it's like oh my gosh he remembers we're in a pandemic like that's a really good sign um and he said another time i woke up like with a tear in my eye and i looked at him and i was like is my car totally smashed <laughs> I'm like and that that sort of crazy stuff um but then i really the only side effects were i've lost about a week's worth of memory um, before before it happened and you know I have patches but there's a lot that's totally missing um, so that's what happened um, qu questions because I've been talking for ages I know it's, it's well interesting uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the whole thing so like the whole point of you know, obviously getting you back on and chatting again other than just to chat to you but like so like how is this because before you said your life was your faith is on a life support machine um and they've had the physical life support machine um, keeping you alive for all those days. So how has like has this had an impact? Like how has that changed or shifted your worldview? Has it like has anything changed since then? Yeah, yeah, it really has. I mean, honestly, it's it's put my faith into a much better place. And you know, mainly because like I've seen so much good come from this. You know, like I've seen friends who, you know, this same person who like four weeks earlier. I gave the analogy of like in the war, people needed to turn their lights off so that we didn't get bombed. And her attitude was like, I just don't care. I don't care. I would keep my lights on anyway. And that was her coronavirus. I'm just going to go out anyway. I don't care about other people, you know, to fast forward a month later and she's praying for me outside a hospital room and then coming with me to church. My sister who didn't have a faith, like through this, she's been, she's been watching church online and then for me personally, a private battle that I've always had and like kind of a conversation I've always had with God is that, you know, when people die, 
they get all of these tributes and people say such nice things. And I'm like, I've always kind of said when I die, like, I hope there's a way that I can see because I'd love to know the impact that I've had on people's lives. And so this really gave me that. And it was the most overwhelming, incredible thing to look through hundreds, if not thousands of messages, comments, donations. And it just meant the world to me to see like how much of an impact I've made on so many people and really like how cared about I am. And so I've like from that, it just feels like a reminder, you know, a reminder for from God of, you know, I am here. And yeah, there's things that I still don't understand. And as I've been listening to the episodes of, of you guys, you know, the podcast, I find it incredibly interesting to, um, you know, hear, especially when you talk about biblical sort of things and about how so much of it seems like it's probably not that accurate. Because I totally identify with that as well. But through it all, like I focus on Jesus and I focus on the stuff that he did and I think about how he lived his life. And yeah, I think that we do have it wrong a lot, the way we do church and the way things are. But I think that individually we can we can still try and reflect Jesus. And and I've really felt through it that, that my faith is, has increased massively. You know, like I, I feel like almost everything led to this moment for God to really show me that, he's in control and that out of this crazy situation so much good can come from it that's an interesting point then so um it's almost as if uh, it's not quite this, but almost like a second chance, kind of like a classic Hollywood movie, isn't it? Like uh, someone dies and it's like, no, not time for you to go yet. You've got other things to do. So do you feel like um, with the idea of your faith increasing and feeling like you're more engaged with God then, um, do you think or do you know if there's like a reason for that? Do you feel like it's, it's a very specific point or is it more general that you've is what you've said there that it's just you can have an impact on people's lives? It's a good question, um, and I've thought a lot about it, and, and I'm not certain of the answer. Um, but one thing that, that I am sure of is that God has used this situation to encourage a lot of other people, you know. And there's a flip side of it, of course. You know, if there are people who don't make it through, and there are, there are bad scenarios that can happen. But for, for this, like I've seen so much good come from this my friends, my relationships, even someone messaged me who I haven't spoken to in probably 10 years or more saying, Hey, I just wanted to reach out to you because this happened to someone that I worked with and they died. And it's really been troubling me um, because he's like, I've got kids and, and I've thought, you know, it, it really has just terrified me and seeing your story and, and hearing what happened to you has just given me encouragement that, it's not it's not always the end of the world you know you sometimes you can come back from this um and so i think do i think god has got a plan for me i, I mean totally i think he's got a plan for all of us um i think that the main thing is that it's highlighted to me now through this that you know i i need to wake up and 
and realize, and it's just a way to put my doubts at ease. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people in this world um, who, if a similar thing had happened to them, they would probably feel a similar way. Um, although I'd love to hear Sam's perspective. I mean, man, it's a massive story. So, you know, um, I'm not going to take anything away from that. Um, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's your story. And I don't want to say anything I say shouldn't take away from uh, where you're at with it. So, yeah, before I jump into anything, just know that it's, a, it's an amazing story. And I'm really glad that from it, you've got so much joy and so much peace. Like that, that's, that's a really, a really good thing, regardless of where it's based. Um, so I've been recently been reading a book called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, uh, which is a book by a French, um, I guess he worked for a newspaper. Um, so he worked for like a fashion newspaper and he um, did loads of writing, loads of kind of traveling and um, lived quite a, um, a raucous lifestyle. And he ended up having a stroke in the car with his son. And um, he was unconscious for four weeks, then got woken up and um, it took him a good couple of weeks to realize, but basically he was completely paralyzed apart from the ability to move his left eye. So he would just move his left eye. That's all he could do. Sometimes he could move his head a little bit. Sometimes he could stretch his fingers out, like his entire arm out by about an inch, but that would take a lot of work. And um, he started uh, before his death to be able to get parts of the alphabet back. Uh, but because he was paralyzed um, for a year, his body basically withered away until he died, um, which was obviously horrific. But during this time, um, he managed to write this book, um, which is... Um, yeah, uh, um, the diving bell and the butterflies. The diving bell is basically a old fashioned diving suit, which is one of those kind of like, a, almost like a, um, I don't know if you ever played Bioshock, the game, but one of those like big yeah. sort of like metallic suits that you would just get weighed down into the ocean. And one of those, that that's how he views his body is he's basically weighed down, unable to move. And then the butterfly was his mind because he found that actually, even though he'd lived so much when he obviously could move, him being trapped in his body helped him to realize that there is an amazing ability for the human brain to make the most out of the situation that we're placed with him. So um, this this book uh, recounts horror after horror after horror, um, but it also recounts beautiful moments within his life. Um, you know, people coming to see him, him interacting with his children, um, the sadness in all these stories, obviously, but um, it's an absolutely beautiful portrayal of how someone's mind can still be so active and so real, even though someone's body can be withering away. So this this book was published, um, and then he died um, two days later, I think, or just, you know, within a couple of days of it being published. Um, so he got to see it being published, see it with his one eye, um, but then he, you know, he then passed away. And um, I, I think, you know, that, that really hit me hard because that was it's, it's a really powerful story which is a true story and i kind of see it reflecting in your story and, and every other story that there's the story of hope that um, humanity has a desire to find hope in situations which seem so bleak and terrible because um yeah i think that's potentially the way we're wired but it's just incredible to see this these sort of things happening um, i mean my, my my question for you adam was just going to be do, do you think Jesus or God or however you want to say it needs to be literally true um, for this story to still be able to provide the hope and feelings that you have? That's a good question. Um, and I would say probably not. Um, probably not. Because, you know, as you've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, one thing that, that you guys said, um, one of the earlier episodes was about how if this, 
you gave a an analogy, but if it was another religion, would it mean that you wouldn't believe that? You know, let's say I was a devout Muslim and this happened, you know, would I be giving the glory to Allah, for example? Um, and so I think, yes, it could happen. Um, but I also believe that things happen for a reason. Um, now, I don't always understand those reasons, uh, but I do think that this is used for good. And I do... I would say I absolutely believe in Jesus. Um, I'm sometimes put off in Christianity uh, because of Christians, usually, um, or even other elements of the Bible, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that, and obviously me and Jesus have something in common now because I died and on the third day I rose again. Yeah, you're actually like a, a true Christian, like most people aren't. You've, you've truly followed Jesus <laughs> in death and resurrection, um, which is an amazing aspect. But this, this does highlight an interesting point around the fact that we are literally moments from death in every time in our lives, which is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, like, so you are actually a real life example of any moment your heart can just stop. Like, that is crazy to think about and then sam's referral to the guy who had the stroke like at any moment our lives could end or we could a part of our body could just stop working and send us into either death or severe disability or not quite as bad as that um but it, it's certainly i suppose for you then you've got um like an immediacy to your faith that many people don't have so do you think so you said your sort of faith is reignited if i want to use my own words to describe what you said um do you think the immediacy has helped that? So the immediacy and realization of, of your mortality has spurred on your belief in a way that mortality wasn't something you considered before. You know what? Funnily enough, no, I don't even think it's the, I don't even think it's the fact that I died and came back um, because that whole thing still really doesn't seem that real to me. Um, it, it's so surreal. And obviously you like, this journey is a lot worse for all of the other people on it because for the people that care about me, for all of those people for a few days, they had no idea whether I was going to be coming back at all. Uh, whereas I was just nothing, you know, um, people do ask me, which I'll say here because people say, well, do you, did you see anything? Um, and I don't remember anything. But I also don't remember anything from like three or four days before. So who knows? I might have been up in heaven in the bar having a pint with Jesus. I mean, I, very unlikely. But um, I don't have a memory of like three or four days before it happening, like proper memory. But I really have very little memory of that in between time. The only thing I remember, which my friend says was the morphine, is that there was one time in it that I was awake that I, you know, barely awake. And I remember saying to my friend, don't let me go to sleep because I'm floating away from my body. And it felt almost like Google Earth zooming out. Um, and I just kind of remember it felt like I was like zooming out from the point of, that I was in in the hospital, like upwards. But might have been the morphine. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty intense trip. Um, but we were, um, you're saying about the people around you, and that was the hardest thing. What 
So for the listener, I've known Adam for, well, how long is it? Nearly 15 years? Is that long? Not quite that long. Uh, no, about yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, about 15 yeah, about years. 15 years. And, and my wife knows you as well because we met in your house, actually. Um, yeah. But um, I, both me and her were not sure if this was real or not. Like, both of us were just like, this is exactly the sort of thing Adam might do for a laugh. Like, pretend to have a hard time and tell everyone. Like, so we, we have, like, a WhatsApp group for all the guys that we all know and play poker with. And one of, one of the guys announced this and said, I've just heard. And most people in the chat were just like, is this real? Or is this Adam pulling one? Like, because he's going to, like, take, like, lead this on for a couple of days and then be like, oi. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it was a funny mix. Imagine for your family, being stuck in England was hideous. Um, I imagine that was really, really tough on them because they can come and see you, can jet across, and that would have been really, really tough. But, yeah, for lots of your friends, because of your... Uh, your nature, like you said, your mate had to slap you to make sure you weren't taking the mick. Um, we were a bit sort of 50-50 whether this was real or not. Um, and then as it turned out, it was. It was uh, an interesting perspective. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's really interesting hearing about it. Um, so the like, your friends from church and the friends who pray, like, how do they see that? So they see this as like an answer to prayer then and like a bit of a miracle. Like, what's their perspective on it? What have they said? Well, I think most of them, and including myself, I mean, I really do see that that God has worked through this in so many ways. Like there are so many facets that, that like his glory has come through, um, both from prayers being answered, people who were like, people who were struggling in their faith, coming, having, having a stronger faith now from it, or even people with no faith at all now being open to exploring that. Um, you know, I, I, so I think that really, I wouldn't say it was just an answer to prayer, but but I think that had something to do with it. I mean, I'll tell you thousands, literally thousands of people were praying for me. Um, and when you look at the the odds of me making this sort of recovery, I, I think that you can't discount, you definitely can't throw away the fact that that had something to do with it. No matter who you are and no matter what you believe, uh, the odds were against me. And so the fact that thousands of people were praying may well have helped. I mean, obviously, people will argue that it, it might not have done. Um, but but I, I personally believe the people that go to my church and people around me believe that it made a difference. Um, this is an interesting question. But one of the episodes we took, I mean, Sam spoke about miracles, how... Um, it's it's very easy to any event you can pray for it and if it gets better you can claim it's God and if it doesn't get better you can claim it's God so with this like not, not meaning to sound like an arse or anything um, but do you think the response all the response you said are because you're better um, and do you think it would have been the same like would they have still had the opinion that it was God's good work if you died that sounds like a really harsh question I realise no I, I think it's a good question I think it's a good question, um, and I and I've thought about this a lot after listening to the episode of you guys talking about this, um, and I truly believe that had I not have made it through, that the people that care about me would have out that I think the love that would have been poured out um, would have still been used for good. You know, I think that God would have been glorified no matter what happened. I think that God could have been glorified no matter what happened. 
Um, and yeah, now we can be thankful and we can praise, but, but had I've not made it, I mean, I wouldn't be sad. I mean, I wouldn't be here anymore. I'd be sad for, you know, if I was, if I could be a fly on the wall, I'd be sad for the people who are grieving. Um, and I would have hoped that I could have seen all the Facebook messages. Um, but, but I truly believe that there's a way that this can be used for good, regardless of the outcome. So question, um, I think the right way to say this. That sounds like an asshole. Um, you can say honestly, I will not be offended. It, you, it's almost impossible to offend me. So just go ahead, be blunt, ask it. Just, just say West Ham are crap and they're the worst football team in the world. That might offend him. Yeah, the world <laughs> spot just hangs up and walks away. Like, oh, we, we did it. We actually offended him. Um, <laughs> so I guess my question is, um, one of my questions is, um, how do you, how do you d- differentiate between this being God, as in the Christian Jesus, God, um, Yahweh, incarnate and human. And how do you differentiate between it and not? Like, what, what would have to have been different for you to be confirming or denying that you being here right now is, in fact, God? As opposed to what? As, as opposed, opposed to being to, another God? Yeah, or or even, yeah. So I guess the, I guess the question is probably layered so um you know how do you know if, if it was god how do you know it's the god that you prayed to and it wasn't the muslim guys who were giving you cpr praying over you and it was their prayers that made it happen um how do you know it was god at all how do you know it was a supernatural being that brought you back and um how how would that look different from the same things happening because people believe god's real even though he potentially isn't um, and you just thinking it was god so like what what, what is the actual thing that makes you go no, this is God because of X, rather than you going, I think it's God because of X. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference there between yeah. you saying it is God to, compared to you saying, I think it's God. Um, I kind yeah. of want to know what is it that makes you say it either is or you think it is, because you can either be sure or you can hope, but you can't have both of those things. Well, I don't know. In a way, maybe you can have both of those things. Um, I'm very pragmatic to my approach to everything, and I'm a very logical person. And so I would absolutely never say um something that can't be proved is a certain thing uh, but uh there's two there's two aspects to your question the first thing about how do i know it's the god that i you know that it's jesus i truly think there is only one god and i think that the other religions um have some right ideas but you know and you i'm sure you've heard this before but i'm i was a former maths teacher and just like two plus two equals four, two plus two equals five is wrong, but it's closer than two plus two equals 20. And I think that all the religions really have this. I think it's the same God. Um, and the reason I'm certain that there's a God is because science as yet really cannot prove this world. There's a bunch of theories and there's, you know, but but no one can really know how we came from nothing. Um, and so my logical mind thinks that there is more chance that there is more to life than what we can see. You know, I, I, I'm certain there's a spiritual plane. That's why there's a lot of supernatural things that people talk about. Um, you know, the healings that you've spoken about um, on a previous episode. Sometimes you see miraculous things or you hear about miraculous things happening 
that really can't be explained. So I'm certain that there's more to life than what we see. And for me, I believe that that certainty is Jesus. Um, And so that's why I attribute it that way. I think that someone from another religion would probably attribute the same thing to their God. But from my perspective, they're still attributing it to my God. They've just got things a little different in the way that they understand God. Does, Does that answer the question? Kind of. Let me just read back what you said, basically. So you said, okay. so you think that Jesus, that this was Jesus because you believe in God. God is real because science can't prove this world. Therefore, there is more to life than we can explain. Therefore, there is a spiritual plane. And then this certainty you have is in Jesus. I guess it is an answer, but the answer itself doesn't really explain how you know this was Jesus. I mean, essentially, it, it boils down to you believe there's a spiritual plane. Um, you know that science doesn't have all the answers, even though science isn't trying to have all the answers. Um, so I think what, what, what I was trying to get from, from you, and I'll just push one more time, we can move on, is just how do you know this was Jesus? I mean, that's, I think it's a good question. I think it's a very difficult question. Um, from, and I think the, the obvious answer is that there's no way to be certain. You know, you can't. I, I can't. I can't be 100% certain, first of all, that I'm right in my belief. And then second of all, I can't be 100% certain that it is Jesus who saved me. Um, now, I believe that to be true. And there are, in a way, my own scientific experience of the things that have happened and that have been tested and that I've known to be true has led me to to feel that that hypothesis is a correct hypothesis but in the same way that science like you said can't prove anything i can't or i can't in the same way prove that this is jesus it, it can't be done um but i'm confident through in the same way that that we're confident of gravity by keeping on repeating something the things that have happened in my life, uh, in my testimony, and you know, like I shared on the last time I was on, and now with this happening, um, it's enough for me to be sure that Jesus is real. And for me, he has saved me and, and brought me back. Um, but I, But it is, as I'm sure you know, impossible for me to t- say i was definitely saved by jesus you know, i i can't say that you know I, I i'm obviously delighted that you're still here mate i'm not trying to deny anything any of that and i'm not trying to say that it, this isn't a fantastic um thing and it's an incredible experience and it's given a lot of people a lot of hope which I, again i think is is good um i think my my concern is um you know, you could get to the front of church or your, your friends or family would probably say, you know, this is Jesus. Jesus has done this. And it, it's very easy within, I think, Christian circles or, or in any religious circles to switch from the I, I believe this to be Jesus to this is Jesus. Um, and I know that's maybe just a tiny difference, but it becomes very quick that a religious person begins to say this is something rather than I believe this is something. And it's that belief that is different to this to 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 the no because i mean i could believe that it's not jesus um, or i could believe that it's you know someone else it could be i don't know 
um, Vishnu or whoever that has brought you back because there's more for you to do and actually the the, the, the goodness that you you coming back to the world is going to bring um, far outweighs uh, anything that you could have done as you were dead so therefore he's or she or it has brought you back to be able to perform more goodness um, you, do you know what I mean like it's it's yeah. it's just that's just a belief I might have and I don't know I mean I, again I don't know this wasn't Jesus but I'm just trying to work out how we could how we could prove it was in a more logical way and again maybe that that burden is in in my court potentially to try and actually go well why don't i just accept this to be jesus and obviously there are loads of answers to that but um, it's just it's just a really interesting um, really interesting thought experiment i guess well it is and and i think you know like you said the problem is is that the but the burden really is a it's almost a shared burden but it comes down to faith and and at the end of it for someone who's sure someone who who's made a decision that this is not true and especially Sam for someone like you who was there and now has dis- decided that actually this is no longer a, b- a belief system that I subscribe to um, it's almost more difficult for you because you know to to have made a decision that you've made although you are I think it's awesome that you're still doing this that you're still listening you're still open to to having the conversations, which I think is so important. Um, but like for you to have made that decision to step back almost is going to make it so much harder for you to be able to even try and let's say play devil's advocate and, uh, and believe this. Yeah, definitely. I think I've, I've got a lot of journeying to do with all of this. And I, that's something I ask myself a lot is, is, you know, am I asking for, things that I'm never going to get and therefore I'm never going to be able to believe again.